0: Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Just going to say it up front, time change, not a fan at all. Um, Time change at the beginning of spring break week, definitely not a fan. Anyway, we appreciate you, the faithful, who came today. Um, We are going to be in Romans chapter 4, we're continuing in our series in Romans, and um, we are today going to tackle really one of the the important doctrines of the faith, and that is justification by faith. And we're going to go through the scripture and go through Romans chapter 4, where Paul really kind of explains to us what that means. I know that sounds like a church or an official word. Um, but it really has a lot of deep meaning for us as believers, and this justification by faith is one of the foundations of of Christianity. And the book of Romans has um, some very practical chapters, and it also has um, chapters that, that really contribute maybe more than any other book outside of the Gospels to our theology, and our theology is what we believe about God, and then our doctrine, which is the way um, that God interacts with man. And those are things that are, that are important and are kind of a bedrock uh, for us as believers. So we're going to begin Romans chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8. And if you'd please stand in honor the reading of God's Word. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God, who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, the first thing we're going to look at is that uh, justification is an act, not a process. You know, we think, and I've even heard people, and I understand what they mean when they say it, but they'll say, well, you know, I just kind of became a Christian over time. Well, you don't become justified over time. That happens in a moment. It's an act. It's not a process. It's not something that changes. It's a one-time thing. And Abraham, it talks about that he was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about, but that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. And so justification, it means that when God sees us, when he looks at a believer, he sees someone against whom there is no account of wrongdoing. In other words, your accounts have been cleared. You are considered justified before God. So when you come into the presence of God, he doesn't look at you and go, oh yeah, there's so-and-so, I remember what he did a year ago. I sure remember what he did back in 1987. I mean, that's not how God sees us. When God sees us, he sees someone against whom there are no offenses. There's nothing waiting in the docket. You know, there's not a a warrant for us or or a trial pending or something that we've done that we're going to be punished for. He sees us as innocent. We've been declared innocent. We've been declared justified. And that happens at, at once. You know, the... One of the greatest descriptions in Scripture about our relationship with God is that of a, a married couple. And here's the thing about a married couple. You know, I remember asking my wife to marry, but we still weren't married. And I remember, you know, the times leading up to that, you know, when, when she's talking about all the things that are going into the wedding and I'm not listening or I'm going, sure, whatever you want to do, blah, blah, blah. That's how that works. And then the the day of the wedding, and you go and we stand up before Uh, a pastor in front of people, witnesses, and they say, do you take her? Yep. Do you take him? Yep. And then at at some point, the pastor says, I now pronounce you man and wife, and we've made our covenant vows, and on that day, at that hour, at that time, we became a married couple, period. Okay? It didn't happen. It wasn't like, yeah, well, you know, we just kind of sort of got married along the way. That's not how it works, and it's the same thing in our justification It's not that you kind of get sort of justified. I mean, you're either justified or you're not. I mean, there's no in-between. And so there's no process by which it happens, well, you know, they're almost justified. They've been going to church now. That's not how it works. You are either justified before God or you're not. And justification takes place in a moment in time. You go from not being justified to being justified because of your faith, because of your belief, and that's the way that it works. So the one thing I want to encourage you, and I get it. Some people, you know, it may have happened when they were younger. It was a, maybe it was a lot of years ago, whatever. And so they kind of remember, but they're not 100% sure about the details. And I understand that. Maybe you don't remember the day. Maybe you don't remember, um, you know, the hour, and that's fine. But here's the deal. You need to remember and you need to search. Maybe you can ask your folks or, or friends or whatever. You want to know that there was a moment that you had that moment. You know, I mean, we get in trouble all the time, men, for not remembering our anniversary. You, you need to remember your anniversary. My wife was kind enough. She engraved it inside of my wedding ring because, you know, she knew me already. So I always had that in my wedding ring. If if I was curious, I could just kind of take it off. And then we had kids, and one of my kids disappeared wet my wedding ring, and so now I just have to remember. But... It's important for us to remember and to know that we've had that moment. And I don't want to make somebody that's saved doubt their salvation, but the last thing in the world I'd want to do is make somebody that, that doesn't know Christ think they are. And here's the deal. Going to church, there's not a process. It's not, you weren't born into it. You had to make a choice. You had to make a decision to believe on your own. And in that moment, you were justified. God declared you righteous. And you were justified by your faith. And that happens at a moment in time. And so that's why we should have a, well, here was my life before Jesus. Then here's when I met him. Here's when I became a believer, a follower of Christ. And now here's what my life's like afterwards. So we should have that moment. Now, here's the second part. Justification is an act of God, not man. So we, we have faith. And when we believe, that's not an action. That's just putting our trust in something that God's already done. All of us who are here today who are in Christ, we believed in something that God did 2,000 years ago through Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the grave. He died in our place on the cross. And you know what? You might not have known about that for several years, and then you came to know about it, and you believed it in faith. That was your moment. But all you did was receive something that God had done for you, you didn't do anything to be saved. There's no work involved in it. It's simply faith, and it's justification is an act of God. When people work, Romans 4, 4 through 5, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God, who forgives sinners. God made a choice when he sent Jesus to die on the cross in your place. He made a choice to offer forgiveness to you. And when you took that up in faith, you were forgiven. And you were justified in that moment. But it's God who did the work. God's the one who sent his son. God's the one who chose. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. All we got to do is believe. Believing is taking up in faith. The truth is something that God's already done. Now, the second part of this is there are no degrees of justification. So maybe you've been a believer longer than this guy. You're not like, well, I'm I'm way justified because I've been a believer for this period of time, and you can't look at, well, there's there's this horrible person over there, and you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm justified, but I didn't have to be justified by as much as they were. So I'm way more, way better than they are. You know, there was. Uh, A serial killer years and years ago named Jeffrey Dahmer. Y'all remember him? I'm not going to go into his crimes. But some of the worst things you could possibly imagine that guy did. Horrible. And you know what? All of us would like to go, man, I hope that guy gets what he deserves. But guess what? God sent his son Jesus down on the cross for that guy too. And while he was in prison, he got saved. And before you're like, well, I don't see how God could forgive that person. Here's the question we ought to be saying. If you're worried about that, whoops, something just, it's just a wrapper. It's okay. I got a little mint in for my, that one in my throat. I may need another one before it's over. I'm just going to tell you right now. All right. So anyway, you look at that guy and you think, how could God, how could God save that guy? But here's the deal. If the blood of Jesus wasn't good enough to, to cover his sins, then why would you think it's good enough to cover yours? The blood of Jesus covers all sins for those who believe and trust in him. And you know what? We think, oh, well, that guy's guy's really, really bad. But the bottom line is, we've all offended God. I earned the same penalty with my life that he did with his before he met Jesus. Because the wages of sin, not just the big bad sins, all sin is death, period. Period. So you might want to think, well, mine aren't near as bad as theirs. But here's the thing. It should be a comfort to know that God's sin covered that guy's sins because they can cover yours too. That's the good news. So there's no degrees of justification. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joys for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. You see, that's what justification is, and there there are no degrees of it. Whatever sins you've committed earned you death and hell. But when God declared you righteous and you were justified by faith, your record's cleared. And one of the amazing things to me about God's forgiveness is this. He doesn't even remember your sins. You know, if that, if that nagging thought comes up to you, man, you remember what you did 10 years ago or what, at some point in your life, everybody's got some sin that nags at them. It's bothered you. At least I hope. Sin ought to bother us. But everybody, I believe, has got some sin behind us that just bothers us. And every now and then it comes back up. And we're reminded of it. Here's something you can know for an absolute fact. It is not God doing the reminding. Because the scripture tells us that he has removed our sins as far from him as the east is from the west. That his sins have been put away. Our record has been cleared. And God doesn't bring up things that have been paid for, that have been cleared, that have been wiped off. So whenever that thought comes back, understand, That's not God speaking to you, that's the enemy. And the enemy's trying to keep you from following and loving him and living for him right now by reminding you of something from your past. You know, it says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses those of us who are followers of Christ. He's going to accuse you. He's going to accuse you in in your ear. He's going to whisper it in there sometimes. Recognize that that's the voice of the enemy and reject it. And when that voice comes up to you again, you remember this verse. What joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Your record has been cleared of sin. Now, the one caveat I'll put in there, if it's a sin that you're continuing to commit, that may be the Holy Spirit telling you to stop. But if it's past sin, that's not God speaking to you. Because God doesn't remember your sins. He's removed them. I don't know if y'all know, east from west is a long, long way. And that's how far the scripture says that he has removed our sin from him. And that comes when we're justified by faith before God. You know, so many times we walk around here and we're, you know, the, the Bible tells us we have confidence to enter the throne room of God. And we go, oh, you know, I don't, I can't do that. I'm, 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 you know, I've done stuff. I'm not, a, I'm, I've messed up. You've been justified, and I know. And hey, we we love praying for you, and we do that. We start our every staff meeting every week with prayer requests that people have brought to us, or that maybe we know, um, you know, somebody filled out a a card, a connection card that are in some of the pews, or they've sent it to us online. And we, pray, and we love doing that. But understand something. God's not going, oh, well, you know, the, the worship guy prayed for, for me because he's way more justified than I am. That ain't how it works. We all have equal access into the throne room of God to find grace to help in time of need. Why? Because we've been justified by faith. You have just as much access into the throne room of God as I do or anybody else because you are justified by faith. There's no degrees of justification. Now here's one of the best best things about justification. It never changes. You know, I talked about last week just a little bit that whatever God declares is permanent. And in the Old Testament, you know, we're, we're marked by being justified by God. In the Old Testament, when God set up the covenant with Abraham, he told him to be circumcised. <clears throat> and all the children of Israel were circumcised thereafter. On the eighth day, they'd take babies in. They did it with Jesus. They would take them to the temple to be, to be circumcised. I'm sorry, parents, if you're going to have to answer questions when you get home, but it just is what it is. And I'll be honest with you. There's certain things about um, justific- or, uh, with circumcision. I got questions. I'm like, how did people know you know, that they were... Got, but anyway, whole other deal. Verses 9 through 12 says, Now is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith, but how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised, or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. They're counted as righteous because of their faith. Now he's speaking to those who are Gentiles, okay? You don't have to be, it's not a requirement today to be circumcised or not. That's up to individual parents to choose and individuals later on in life. They're counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who've been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith that Abraham had before he was circumcised. So <clears throat> what can we take from that passage of Scripture? Number one, circumcision is permanent. All right? You can't get uncircumcised after you've been uncircumcised. You can't go back to the doctor and go, hey, that was a mistake. It, once it's done, it's done. All right? Justification is permanent. When God marked his people, it was permanent. And the, the truth of God's promises to his people are still true. They're still his chosen people, okay? God provided them a land to go back to. The state of Israel was born in, I believe it was 48. It's when it started again. They didn't have lands before that, but God gathered them from the nations, just like it prophesies about in the scripture, and returned them to their land. And if you look at a map, there's Israel, And there's all these countries around whose desire is to destroy Israel. And yet God is protecting them. God watches over them. And that's part of his promise to them is that they will always be his promised people. His people of promise. But here's the deal. That doesn't mean they get to skip over Jesus. Okay? God's going to fulfill his promises to them here on this earth. But they're still responsible for what they do with Jesus. Just like he said, Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who've been circumcised. That's the children of Israel. But only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. So Jews have to accept Christ just like we do. There's one way into heaven. Now God's going to fulfill his promises here on this earth. But he, they have no excuse when it comes to Jesus because he came to them first. And so there are Jews that have trusted Christ and they'll receive here on this earth the earthly promises and in heaven the promises that come through Jesus. But you still have to accept Jesus and they still do too. His word is good forever. So even though they rejected Jesus, God is still living out and fulfilling his promises to them that he gave to Abraham for what he was going to do for his physical descendants. Now, we're spiritual descendants of Abraham because of our faith. So, <clears throat> justification never changes. Once you're justified, that doesn't change forever, okay? Now, there's there's another part of this that's also another church word, all right? And that word's sanctified. You know, you ever hear that? No, get sanctified or get French fried. That was the old thing from the... You know, some of y'all, are, I, I'm, never mind. That was an old-time saying. But we talked about that. Sanctification is different than justification. Justification happens once, and it's forever. It never gets greater, and it never gets less. Your record's clear. Sanctification is about being set apart. It's about being molded and and moved to grow into the image of Jesus. God... Begins the transformation of us to look more like his son. Now, that won't be completed until that day, the Bible tells us, when we will see Jesus. We're going to meet him face to face. And in that moment, the scripture tells us we're going to see him just as he is. So, we're going to see him in all his glory. And in that moment, we're going to be, the transformation is going to be completed to perfection. We're going to be made perfect, just as Jesus is, okay? Doesn't mean we're going to be God, but we're going to be made perfect and we're going to look like him. And that's not going to be finished until we see him face to face, but it starts the moment we come to know Christ. Now, there are degrees of sanctification. There are people that are more set apart than others, that have have given over more of their lives to follow Christ, that have chosen to be obedient, that have chosen to follow the things of God, that have chosen to be to put that number one. And the more that they're set apart, sanctification literally means set apart for a special purpose. So what is that purpose? It's to glorify God and to be a messenger of his here on this earth and to be used to increase and to grow his kingdom. And the more that our lives come in line with the word of God, the more that we look like Jesus in the way that we love, the way that we forgive, the way that we live, the more God can use us here on this earth for his kingdom. That's what sanctification is. There are degrees of that. I mean, there are are people that look like Christ in the way that they live and the way that they do things. And then there are people that you question whether they're saved. They say they are, but you don't see it. And the lives that they live are outside the word of God and outside the will of God. And I don't know if sometimes, you know, here's the thing. Jesus told us clearly in Scripture that there are going to be those who are going to come up to him in heaven and say, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? And he's going to say, I never knew you. So there's going to be people that are going to be surprised when they get to heaven. And here's our job. My job is not to determine who's who. My job's not to determine, oh, that guy's saved, that guy's not. This this woman knows Jesus, that woman doesn't. My job, here's, here's what we do as believers. We are to be fruit inspectors. And if you see somebody whose life doesn't match up, I mean, there's no sign of Jesus anywhere in there. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to tell them about Christ. That's our job, is to tell them about Jesus. Now, I don't know, maybe they do know Jesus. Maybe they're in a prodigal son or daughter kind of stage in life. I don't know. But I want to make sure they know the gospel. I want to make sure they know who he is. I want to make sure they know how to be justified and what it means to be forgiven. You see, here's the thing. We should be growing in the image of Jesus. And There are times, some of the the bad doctrine throughout the ages has come, People have tried to fight against this doctrine of justification by saying you could well you could lose it you could do this but you know here's the deal Peter Paul made it clear that if you could lose your salvation you could never be saved again because Jesus can't be crucified twice so that part's clear and sometimes that that whole thing about making people doubt whether they could, or wonder if they could lose their salvation is to just get them to be better I, I think there were probably good motives. wrong doctrine. And here's the deal. Some people are worried, well, if you tell people they're justified once and forever and that can never change, once they're believers, doesn't that just tell them they can go do whatever they want to? Yep. But here's the deal. If you've really been touched by the hand of God, that should change you. It doesn't mean you'll never be rebellious again. We all got the rebel in us. But it ought to motivate us to be more like Christ. Not to go out and take his sacrifice on the cross lightly. You see, the minute you believe in faith, you begin a relationship. Romans 4, 13 and 14. God's, clearly God's promise to, the whole, to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise is only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. So, faith provides justification. And it's about a relationship. It was based on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. 16 and 17, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift. And we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scripture means when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. So where does that leave us? Do we get to do what we want to do? You know, one of the things that it was very clear was that Abraham believed God at the very beginning and then God credited it to him as righteousness. But here's the thing, Abraham didn't stay in the same place. The, the, one of the ways we know that Abraham had faith was God told him first, he said, hey, I want you to go to a new land that I'm going to show you. He didn't tell him where he was going. He said, I want you to get up, get up with your family, and you're going you're to go somewhere that I'm going I'm to lead you to. And you know how we know that Abraham believed him? This is what faith looks like. He's like, you know, faith's kind of a, what does it mean? What does it look like? Abraham got up, took all his family, and started going where God sent him. You see, faith does look like something. Faith looks like what Abraham did. He obeyed what God told him to do. He got up and he moved. And he did what God told him. Now, he stumbled along the way. The Bible tells us that his wife was was amazingly beautiful. Beautiful. And that he came a couple times into places and he lied to people and told them that that she was his sister so they wouldn't kill him and take his wife. And you know what? That was wrong. That showed a lack of faith in God right there, didn't it? He stumbled. He didn't just do that once. He did it twice. And he put his wife in a very awkward situation, a very difficult place. But you know what? Abraham grew in his faith As the days progress, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins and he was raised to life to make us right with God. So how do we know, you know, how do you look at that story and think, well, how could you say that he was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever whatever he promises? I mean, if he was really fully convinced, why would he go in there and tell people that his wife was his sister? and put her in a compromising situation just to save his own skin. I mean, that shows a lack of faith. So how could you say that Abraham showed his faith? See, Abraham grew. The promise God gave to him was that he'd have an heir. <clears throat> his wife decided to help God out a little bit because it was taking longer than she thought. So she sent his handmaiden, her handmaiden into to Abraham, have a child by her. That was a custom of the time, that through her handmaid, she could have a child. And so he did, and his name was Ishmael. And eventually God told him, to send him off. And so he did. And he became the father of all the Arab nations that surround Israel right now and want to kill him? So that one, just a little lesson, throwing this in here. When you try to help God do what only God can do, it usually does not turn out real well. The wars that Israel has still had to fight and is still the defensive capabilities they have now are to defend themselves. Now, God defends them, but they're in turmoil all the time because of that decision that Abraham made. It's been a long-reaching decision. So he he messed up. How do we know? Because later on in life, well after he was beyond childbearing years, he still trusted that God was going to send him an heir, and he did. Finally sent him a son when he was like 100 years old. And man, can you imagine the joy of that? Of knowing finally. And God said, this is your heir. This is the one. And his son grows up till he's a teenager. And then one day God comes to him after providing an heir, after Abraham believed him all these years. And he says, Abraham, I want you to get up tomorrow and I want you to go to this mountain, and I want you to sacrifice your son to me. Can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, surely Abraham's thinking, God, after all these years, and now you're asking me to do this. He's not even been married. He's not even marrying age yet. He's still a young man. But you know what Abraham did? He didn't argue with God. He didn't question him. He got up the next morning and took his son and set out for that mountain. And when he got to that mountain, he climbed up that mountain with his son, and he built an altar up there, and he tied his son down on the altar, and he picked up a knife to be obedient to what God told him to do. And God said, stop. Now I know. You know what? God didn't do that because he didn't know. He did that so that we could know. And so that we could look at the life of Abraham and see, man, do you see how this guy grew in his faith as he went on to follow God? And see, that's the purpose that God sets you apart for. Yeah, we can look at Abraham and see his faith, but God wants us to live a life in such a way that people could look at our life and see that our faith has grown and see Jesus in our life. When he stayed Abraham's hand, he looked over and there was a ram caught in the thicket. And he went over and he took that ram and he slaughtered him and he sacrificed him to God. And that, folks, was as clear a picture as you'll ever get about what Jesus did for us. Because you could say, How could God ask that? God had every right. Because we're all sinners. And you know what we deserve? Death. Now, he'd never asked anybody before that, and he's never asked anybody to do that since. But he showed through the life of Abraham of his goodness and of his truth and of his atoning sacrifice of Jesus that was to come later on, and Abraham shows us what a life looks like of somebody that has faith. See, here's the thing about faith: <clears throat> we shouldn't just have to talk about it; it ought to be seen. Real faith is seen. That's the lesson of Abraham. And that's the truth for us too. Hey, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit; it was recorded for our benefit too. And that's the the amazing thing about this justification thing. You've been you're just justified as you are ever going to be. Now the question is, are you going to live a sanctified life, one that displays? Goodness of God. You know, Abraham was a, would have probably called himself a simple man that nobody on earth had ever heard of, except we got to see some amazing steps of faith because he believed God. Because he believed God. And in the end, You know how we knew that that Abraham believed that with him all things are possible? is because he was willing to do the impossible. He was willing to do something that had to have gone against every instinct that he had because he believed God. He was willing to offer up his heir because he believed God. He was willing to end his line because he believed God. And as a result, we've all been blessed through his life. You know, here's the thing about Abraham. And one of the things I I love about Scripture, Scripture doesn't try to make people look better than they were. It's just out there. I mean, can you imagine this guy who was cowardly enough that he put his wife and let some other guy take her into his home? He was going to make her his wife just to save his own skin. But that guy turned into a man whose faith shone as a bright light for the rest of the world. Because as he grew in his relationship with God, he became more sanctified. His faith grew, and his sanctification grew. And in the end, he showed what a life that is set aside and devoted to God can look like and what it can mean for others. So that's where we are today. If you have a relationship with God, if you've had your moment with Him, you're justified. You don't have to worry about any of your sins before you and God. But it should also mean that we want to please Him, that we want to live a life that shows others about how good God is. It's up to us. It's up to you. You know, if you don't have that moment, I'm not trying to make you doubt your faith. Maybe you need to go back and just think about it and remember. But I want to know that you had that moment where you trusted Christ. And like I said, sometimes people say, well, you know, I just kind of grew up with it. but, But there was a moment. And if you didn't have that moment, you can have one today. Now, maybe you need to go back and remember or talk to people, and I understand. Hey, I had to ask. I was seven when I accepted Christ. <clears throat> so there were certain things I had to ask my folks to fill in the blanks on. I mean, I remember doing it. But they had to remind me about this or that, or I had to ask some questions. That's fine. I just want to know you had that moment where you trusted Jesus, you asked forgiveness of your sins, and by faith you took up what he was offering you. And then in that moment you were justified. And if you don't have that moment, today could be your day. You know what the Bible says? It doesn't say yesterday was the day of salvation. It doesn't say tomorrow was the day of salva- is the day of salvation. It says today is the day of salvation. You know when the right time to trust Christ is? When you know. When you've been clearly shown the truth that we're all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the only way for you to be saved and, and to erase that debt of sin is to believe in Jesus, to believe that he was God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he rose on the third day according to Scripture. And then the way that we do that is by confessing him as our Savior and Lord. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved, Romans 10, 9, and 10. And if you've not done that, I want to give you the opportunity to do it today. So what I'm going to do is for anybody that hadn't had that moment, you'd like to, you'd like to know your sins are forgiven. You'd like to be in a right relationship with God. And you'd like to know that your name is written down in heaven, never to be erased. That you're going to spend eternity there with him and with other believers. If that's you, I'm going to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. You can repeat it after me. You don't have to pray it out loud. God will hear you. Just pray in your heart. But pray it with me today. So I'm going to ask that everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes. Pray this with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Cleanse me and make me yours. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe he rose on the third day according to scripture. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's what I want to ask you to do. You don't have to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I just want you to look up at me and keep looking until I see. If you prayed that prayer today, you look up at me right now and keep looking. Okay? All right. I see you. Okay? Okay. Here's what we want to do. All right. I see you. I want to encourage you to let someone know. We'd love to know about your decision. There's two different ways you can do it. In a few minutes, we're going to dismiss the service. Austin will be here at the front. If you'd like to come tell him, hey, I prayed that prayer, we can talk to you today or we can set up another time. And what we'd like to do is just answer any questions you have about what it means to follow Jesus and also talk to you about the next steps in following him. Now, I want you to know something. You're justified in this moment. You prayed that prayer and you believed it. It's because of your faith. There, you're not going to be any more saved or any more justified. But we want to help you begin that relationship with Christ. And so another way you can do it is just by texting. I did it to the number on the screen and we'll get back with you and set up a time either by phone or in person to answer your questions and to talk to you about those next steps. And we'd love to hear from you. It's important that you tell somebody. If you're here with your parents and you're younger, tell your folks. They can contact us and we'd love to talk to you. We have children's ministers that that are great at sitting down with kids and going through those steps with them, and we'd love the opportunity to do that. If you're interested in being a part of our church family by membership, you can text MEMBERSHIP to that number, and we'll set up a time to talk to you and visit with you a little bit more about what it means to be a member of Greenwood Baptist Church and to answer any questions you might have. So right now, I want to pray for those that made that decision today to follow Christ and pray for each of us that God would use us use our lives and our words to show others about the love of Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. And most of all, thank you for Jesus and the message of love that he brought to us through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Father, I pray for those who made a decision today to follow you and trust you, that God, you'd encourage them, that, Lord, they would grasp in faith reality that they now belong to you and they are your sons and your daughters and father thank you for allowing us to be a part of their journey lord we pray and we ask these things in jesus name amen thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from greenwood baptist church in weatherford texas you can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes you can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.